0: A grain of rice. A, a, a grain of
2: rice. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then.
3: There's a
1: small bit of a needle there. Now,
3: come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Murad into the game. Permission mission, what's, what's the show? Then we're no longer whipping by the whipping boys of Munster.
4: Ah, yes, indeed. The sound of the spring and the summer and those highly entertaining Examiner Sport GAA podcasts. Compulsive listening for everyone of a hurling or a football persuasion, especially if you, like me, need their sporting fix to deliver a layer or two beneath the nuts and bolts of just comment and analysis. So why are we back to you in the dog days of December? Well, over the course of 2019, we had the pleasure of the likes of Tony McEntee, Kean O'Neill, Ronan McCarthy, Eamon Fitzmaurice, Ray Cosgrove, Declan O'Sullivan, Ushin McConville, and many, many more football luminaries in this very studio, and when you have that quality around the table, were we going to let them away without providing real insight, real analysis, real advice into their own coaching and management philosophies, the whole area of coaching, player improvement and development? is an itch we here at Examiner Sport haven't properly scratched. The, that coaching, I suppose, tutorial for soccer, for GA, for rugby, whatever, it's on our to-do list for 2020, to be sure. For now, though, we offer this as a special end-of-year treat, the collective insights of McEntee, O'Neill, McCarthy, Fitzmaurice, etc., in one special Examiner GA coaching podcast. To kick off when we spoke with Mike Quirk, Kean O'Neill and Tony McEntee they didn't hold the coaching positions which they have since um, moved on to. Mike Quirk of course is now the Leash Manager, Kean O'Neill of course is the new coach in Cork. So what we did is we asked them what happens when the players you have don't match the plan or the philosophy you want to use with the team we spoke to them about giving players autonomy about the whole drills v game argument and at underage keeping those caged excuse me keeping those kids engaged and bringing your 24 25 30 under eights and nines on to under tens elevens and twelves
3: just to, just to kick it off i suppose really lads in terms of coaching in terms of your philosophy about when you when you you know take over a team or you're involved with a team what what are the key kind of things that you're trying to impart on on those players as a you know as a as a first day or a first week when you start to deal with them keen I,
5: I think it's not as easy as, as people think because you might you know be dead straight on your philosophy of how you want the game to be played but then you you walk into a dressing room or into a role and realize that well, I need to have the players who can actually execute that plan or, or carry that philosophy out on the field. Um, so I think it's not as black and white as, as as people think. And I think the real skill of a coach is having a firm grasp and understanding of what are the strengths, you know, of your team, and and what are the areas of improvement that yes, we can develop, but it may not happen in the next two months of preseason before competition kicks in. And then designing, you know, a game plan that suits the strengths of that group. And um, because I think in order to be successful, everyone needs to be moving in the right direction and not just the players on the field, the manager, the management team um, and getting that harmony and that kind of sense of unified purpose um, can be a big challenge if you yourself are the key constraint because you're trying to impose a, a tactical setup or a style of play in a group that, that simply don't have the tools or the skill sets. Um, I mean personally I love working the ball through the foot I love working the ball through the line similar to how Tony would have always set up you know across McGlenn, gland um, and a lot with Mayo as well um, but, but sometimes you have to actually step back and say is that going to work with, with the group of players I have and I suppose, working with clubs over the years, working with, with Sigerson and UL for a long, long time, and, and then through, through a couple of inter-county teams. You know, sometimes you have to be a little bit humble and realistic and pragmatic insofar as slightly adjusting or tweaking what is your philosophy relative to the group you have. And I, I, th- I think that comes with experience as well, you know, and uh, that develops over time.
3: Experience, Tony, or uh, like where... where, where like the, the biggest learnings that you've made as a coach... Like you're either winning or you're learning. Where 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 are they coming from?
1: So, so just to add on, on Kane's point there, I agree completely with him. There there's one in the county manager's reputed to have said that I have a great plan to win all Ireland. I just don't have the players. So <laughs> so 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 by that, you know you can't get hung out completely on your plan. But I, I I do think the secret of a good coach is the ability to break down that plan and teach the players. But Teams nowadays have to be flexible. You have to be willing to be able to run the ball through the middle when needed, and you have to be willing to be able to kick the ball when you need to kick the ball. And I think at the minute in in, um, in the good teams out there, like all those good teams have the ability to be adaptable to running games and kicking games. But a lot of the secondary teams that maybe come behind are not so much up to speed in that. And I think amongst the ability to do it is the, is the ability to know when to make that choice. So decision-making process on the field. And I think that's something that coaches nowadays um, are some, maybe trying to focus on or maybe trying to improve upon is to give players the autonomy and the ability to decide when is the right time to kick and when's the right time to run that ball. And, you know, only really a handful of players, I think, would get that. The special players get that because they can see things differently and whatever else in the field. But I think I think as a, as a coach, the real skill in a coach is being able to get whatever the plan is break it down as simple as possible and communicate that as simple as possible back to a team
3: like you you mentioned decision making and and when to kick and when to hand pass like to get into the actual physical nuts and bolts of it how, how are you doing that on the pitch how are you improving your players decision making with whoever you're involved with
1: so um so, so for me at least, it's done two two ways. A lot of people talk about doing it in game-based situations. So play games and put scenarios in games where it forces you into that situation and then correct it, identify it, point it out and improve it at the same time. However, for me, I think you also need to do drills. I think you have to have drills set up whereby you can coach the basic concept through a drill, an exercise, of some description which shows it, and then you implement that then into a game situation. And then you bring video analysis then back into it. So either in training sessions or as part of real games, you look at the situation and scenario and you try and connect what you're doing in training to what you did or trying to do in the game situation. Because there has to be that learning cycle. It's not just, here it is and that's it done. You know, you need to tell them what to do and do it. And you then reinforce, reinforce what you're doing and repeat it mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I think one of the things, again, which is important is repetition. Um, a, a lot of coaches nowadays think that uh, freshness is good and you need to have a different drill every session. For me, that's not necessarily the case. I think you need to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat um, until people are either sick of it or get it, one or the other. Um, and that while you can vary the train a wee bit, I think it's important to have repetition so that you ground the concepts that you're trying to bring in. Kane would have a better idea, Dustin. Yeah, well,
5: I think we we'd be very similar in our approach. I suppose the the difference I would have there is I would never really incorporate drills, you know, in, into any of my training sessions. Um, I I think any drill can very quickly become a decision making based exercise or task by simply tweaking what maybe traditional drills, and I'm sure you're not talking about that, Tony, and um, what they look like. So the introduction of making a decision, uh, whether it's, you know, if you look at a constraints-based approach where you have the task the environment, the performer, whether you're putting any little tweak on either of the points of that triad, I think a drill very quickly can become, you know, a situational task, you know, if you like, where there is decision-making and, and there is a little bit more thought and responsibility being put on the players because for me... Repetition is critical, you know, like what Tony said, but if you repeat the same thing you 're basing that expectation on the fact that you 're always going to be facing the same challenge, mm-hmm. and The one thing you can predict in, 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 in any game or any battle is what the opposition are going to do, and um, so for me, the more you repeat, but with variability in every single repetition, still t- staying true to the same tenets of of your of your game plan the repetition is there the players are getting better we're playing with each other and learning whether it's movement patterns learning whether it's a little faint or a, you know or a dart inside all of that is happening so you're still getting the benefit of what you might see in a drill but you're constantly reacting to how the defense you know, whether it's a player a unit or a team are setting up you know so it, it's kind of being a little bit creative in, in that regard and uh you know, for me, people talk about a games based approach that they, they, they probably don't fully understand. They probably just mean that that's a game. Let, let's yeah. play a game. Yeah. And maybe it's a 4v4, small side of game, or maybe it's a 10v10. The only benefit of a games-based approach is that if you actually have a purpose to the game, and if that purpose to the game reflects what's going to happen in the competition, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the missing links are with, with coaches and even students, you know, that I would see in our coaching modules in CIT, but we are getting better, and it's definitely more widespread, you know, which is, which is a good thing.
4: Just a question, Keen, for yourself and Tony and Mike, because I mean, I think you all have similar philosophies in terms of the game being like, you know, kicking the ball, you know, actually becoming pro- really, really expert and proficient at that. Have you ever gone into a setup, Keen, where the fundamentals of the players have really disappointed you and you've had to actually work so much at that that you're saying I know I'm going to bore the shit out of them now I know I'm going to bore them but I have to get this right as a foundation because you know it it being so much about the players and you know making sure that you're exercising the players minds have you ever gone into a situation where you've almost had to bore them to death by repetition
5: um, well, as, as Tony said, I don't think repetition is a bad thing, you know, so I, I wouldn't have any issue with that. Um, I've never had that challenge technically um, at inter-county level, but a lot of the clubs I've worked with, you know, you need a starting point for yeah, sure. I mean, for me, the biggest challenge from a coaching perspective is actually enhancing the decision making. I don't know what you fellas think, but I mean, and this is something that you see all the time at inter-county level. Probably, you know, one of the biggest challenges, you know, that the forward unit working with the coaching team in Calair over the years, and I'm just using an example I'm familiar with, is, you know, we we were too eager to, to shoot off three passes when you know you're probably in a low percentage area but it's almost like off the cuff type football and, and, and it looks good and it's exciting and it's been in Kildare for, for many, many years where the white count has been higher than the score count you know, no mm. matter who's the manager mm. um, and I think just trying to develop that patience but with pace and it's a term I often use, be patient but patient doesn't mean slow the ball down mm. it just means you know choose the right time to make that real incision um, and patience with pace is something we've worked on eternally and probably we showed that our best maybe against Fremantle last year in the last 12 to get into the Super Eights and probably in other bigger matches against defensive teams we didn't use it at all and that's the disappointment how day one you can look brilliant doing it and then the next match you're saying Jesus why have we totally changed from what we're doing that's my biggest uh, frustration as a coach because anybody
1: can get to the 50 yeah. And then that's when problems arise, Absolutely. you know, I man. So every team can get that far either because they let you get that far or because you're quick getting it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then the difficulties yeah. arise after yeah, that. But well,
4: what about that question, Tony? In terms of like, you've obviously, you know, you haven't just managed the, the Cross McGlenn senior team. You've been involved in some of the underage stuff as well. Like, yeah. I mean, irrespective of you know, they say no about you know, some coaches go out and they feel like that. You know the pitch has to look like an airport runway in terms of lights and cones and all this kind of stuff, like whereas some of the best sessions i I remember actually going to watch Croaks Mike a few times, Padochet, who I know you and I both regard very very highly as a coach, not a single cone on the pitch, not a single cone to be seen um but in terms of the fundamentals, i mean like genuinely. You've, I have been involved and I'm sure you've been where you've actually been let down now oh, I know not at inter-county level I take your point Keane I'm more talking about the club level coach now at this stage I mean in terms of you going in say with the cross under 14s and you're feeling to yourself no no, no we're getting nowhere if we actually can't kick the ball properly have you had to deal with that?
1: Yeah so I, I presently work with the cross on the 14s as, as you know yeah. and um, but your level of expectation is different Tony at different age groups so at 14 year old you're looking to try and bring in enjoyment move the ball forward you're looking to try and get you know, I mean, team orientated stuff together you know um, I I think sometimes as managers or coaches that we might look to be too smart sometimes look for something that's more complicated than it is you know, I mean, football is a simple enough game played simply if, if you can do that so so really with, with us at home in the other 14s it's a bit at the minute, we're about you know just developing players because that, that's a gap, that's a gap where fellas grow six inches in over winter, like you know, so it's about it's, it's really just about bringing players through and improving. In my case, at least, it's we're working on improving decision making more yeah. than improving an awful lot of skills. You know? yeah.
5: and it's not fantastic to have a Tony McIntyre coaching an under fourteen team, you know, in any club in the country. I think one of the biggest issues we have as a nation across all sports is all our top coaches are working with all the top teams when, you know, the greatest period for growth, development, expansion, you know, are the formative years when, you know, when they're children and they're developing these skills. And I think a lot of clubs could learn from that instead of just focusing on who's coaching the senior team. Well, who's going to coach the seniors in 20 years time where they are now at six or seven or eight years of age?
3: Yeah, Sunday mornings at eleven o'clock in Strand Road. I have the under eights, and I oh, tell you, it's it's, on. <laughs> it's one of the greatest hours of my of my week. Yeah, I uh, know. But it, like most of the people that are going to be listening to this will be people who are involved at either a juvenile level within a club or, or a you know minor or senior team or whatever. And it's just it's it's fascinating because this whole kind of debate about drills and and games it it gets lost sometimes in what should we be doing at the different age groups and this games-based coaching is taking over as a meaning for everything and and I think the crucial thing about games-based coaching is that there's a context there that's linked to the actual game so if you're doing stuff defensively or, or an attack or in kickouts or whatever it is it's, you're getting those games because of what happened in the last in the last competitive game that you played. A lot of clubs just go and you know, I, I, coaches maybe ring me in and they would say, have you a good game for whatever, have you this or that? It doesn't really matter if it's something that the team is lacking. It's just, it's a good game and it'll look really well and it'll keep them busy and they'll be tired but maybe you're already doing that really well. So why are you wasting 15 minutes of your session working on it if it's really kickouts are your problem or it's whatever? So I think that the idea with coaching is you find what it is that you are actually not doing so well and then you come up and you be imaginative and you devise games, you devise scenarios that actually put players into those positions to improve the stuff that they're not doing so
1: well in. Yes, yeah, so so in our club, um, I, I sort of oversee the development of, of the youth section of the club as well. But in our club, one of the things that we're, we're trying to focus on now is the move away from box drills for all underage. So none of our underage do box drills. So I'm talking about 10 metre square stuff where you do high intensity tackling or otherwise. And uh, we, we just simply don't don't believe in it as a successful outcome and also for the benefit of the kids at later stage in life because of hip injuries and impingements and everything else that comes with it. So uh, my session Tuesday night was we spent actually ninety minutes as the case was, but it wasn't all it wasn't all work But our session Tuesday night was looking at uh, forward play and running off the ball to try and help the inside forward instead of always coming to meet the man that's receiving or giving the possession. You know, so it's you know it's not perfect by any means, but we have a philosophy of trying to bring the kids through rather than been successful at every age level Mm -hmm. and we want to bring them through the ages into Mm -hmm. senior football that's our, That's that's what we want. We want enough football out of this. We don't want 114 fourteen titles. We want enough
5: And show. what has to be central to all of this is, is the enjoyment, isn't it? Especially with yeah. with the, with yeah. the younger, mm. juvenile section. And I can guarantee you, ask any of Tony's players at under fourteen level or yours, I mean, all at under eight level. Well, would you prefer this training session or go back to a traditional, orthodox drills based session where you might play a game for ten minutes at the end, or oh, they'd, they'd be rocking over to your session every day of the week? And I think that's starting to sink in a, a little it is. bit now, a little it is. bit and, now.
3: And look, I, and I'm always telling. Coaches like the greatest, you know, like the only the only mechanism we have for judging how good a coach or a manager is is did they win an All Ireland? Did they win a county championship? Did they win whatever? Yeah. And and everybody all the way from sixteens, fourteens, twelves, tens, eights, they all want to be the one that I I won the goal games blitz for under sixes or whatever. But the, like the greatest metric we have if you start with under you know with 30 under 8 kids are you putting under or 30 kids next easy. year to the following yeah. to under 9s or whatever Attention. it is but yep. people you know it's, it's and a lot of clubs I think have come around to that way of thinking but it's it's, it's slowly it's slowly getting there the other the other massive thing I, I just want to touch on is and you mentioned the word already autonomy and I, I, I've I've just been I'm fascinated by the impact it can have on, on on coaching and players. The idea of creating this, you know, an autonomy supportive environment where we're really giving players uh, probably a little bit more from 14s, 16s, 18s, all the way up, where we're trying to give them as much kind of uh, responsibility, a bit of ownership. We're asking questions to try and get them to come back with the responses as opposed to us being the ones telling them what they're doing wrong. Uh, and I, I, I've just seen, and I'm sure you've seen the... You know the, the different research on it and the impact it can have on people's motivations to stay playing and to do everything. And it's something that the GA need to need to start doing more of, where we're we're really involving the kids more than we being the ones that are constantly dictating about what they need to what they need to be doing. You know. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and it's it, it's a difficult thing because once again, not every set of players, be it club or county, are the same. Mm-hmm. So autonomy in one context, you know, maybe every player taking responsibility for for the whole team, where everyone's equal, to another set of where you might have a leadership group to eight, you know, players or six players, to another team where a manager just feels that realistically there's three leaders here, and all of a sudden that that's reducing down to that level. Uh, I think the key thing is everybody is. Being given the opportunity, you know, to, to have a voice and to feel free and comfortable in voicing that opinion, whether it's in it's on the pitch in training, whether it's before match, halftime, after, or in a team meeting, and for me, players will learn more from listening to their peers as as long as it's it's constructive in terms yeah. of what they're saying than what a coach or a manager is going to tell them because. They're the ones in the trenches, you know, and I think the best meetings or best sessions that I've ever been involved in are where the players are challenging, mm-hmm. not just each other, but challenging the, the, the management team, you know, to be better in that regard as well. And I think it doesn't just happen like that. I think you need to foster that over, a, over a period of time. But if you start with a couple, which I think may have an abundance, Tony, you know, real leaders and mm-hmm. you can see it on the field, um, I think you're in a really good position.
3: Yeah, and that's, that's, that's interesting, and, and it's something I don't think your maybe your average under-10s or under-12s club coach is, has now, and they're not worried about creating an autonomy. They're worried about, can he kick with his left leg and his right leg? Can he catch? Can he defend? And and of course, all those things are hugely important, but I, I just think our numbers in the GA fall off a cliff when kids get to 12 and 14 years of age. Our numbers skyrocket from sixes, to eights, tens all the way up because it's all about fun and participation and enjoyment and all those those things that we love to talk about. But as soon as that competitive element comes in, and I know there's other factors involved in it as well, but our numbers really do fall. And and one of the things is I think we can coach better, we can we can actually do a better job of of, of keeping kids engaged in the whole thing. And one of the ways to do that is is to involve them in the session and be active participants in it as opposed to, you know, the whole thing just being a, a one-way system, I suppose, you know.
5: And, and even, I mean, some of the key traits of, of high-quality leaders in any walks of life would be tolerance, respect, communication, you know, humility. Um, at under eights, all of those things can be easily, you know, kind of transferred and enhanced. With, with olds. I mean, tolerance, you know, differentiation, you know, accepting people for who they are, you know, respect, you know, communication, humility. Um, so, I mean, they can be developed with underage. Okay, you're not asking people to be standing up and giving, you know, groundbreaking team talks or that, but I think those leadership skills can be developed at any age and maybe they become more complex when you reach adult age and you're mm. trying to develop the, the Lee Keegans or the Colin Boyles or, you know, the Aidan O'Shea's, whoever. Um, but I think there's a lot of room for those key traits even at a, at a young
3: age.
1: Yeah, I think certainly in, in country clubs, the players from 14s, 16s and upwards get more involved in the club and the club structure and fundraising and participation and stuff like that and I saw it in, in, in city teams um, in, certainly in large city teams they don't have the connection back with the club mm. so it's easier to fall off or be disconnected to it you know so I think country teams certainly and probably good, the good club teams maybe the likes of Nathan and club teams like that and Kilmacud will be able to get those players to get back in and help with whatever participation it is you know yeah. keep them involved
3: We better We better wrap this up I, I want before we finish, and I'll give you ten seconds to think about it, I want you to give us your best coaching read recommendation for you know the best book or something that you've you've seen in the in the last while that, that maybe give people a nice steer in terms of coaching. Um they're both looking very blank. Uh there's 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 the one I, I just thought, you know, man, Fergus Connolly has got a has got a couple of interesting ones out there that are that are worth reading. You've got uh, you've got that black box thinking. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's yeah. another it's another decent one. Uh, there's no more off the top of my head. No, Tony's got yeah, one. Yeah, no,
4: no, just on that fundamentals. That Nally book, um, Mike. That is it. It's um, Nally. Call yeah. him Nally. Column yeah. Nally. I mean, was that am I talking about the right author? That green coaching book. Just in terms of like, I remember actually get subscribed to it, getting it online. There is some there is some good tips. And again, I'm talking now about the the ordinary yeah. club level coach. Um, the only thing I would say is I, I I just don't know about I don't know what you think again, Keen, you know about relying on a book too much. Like I mean, I what I like to do is I actually like to actually just watch good people and good coaches in action and actually think to myself, yeah, I can relate. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I really think that's a good. A-. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I think you actually you accumulate experiences as you go. I mean through the various. You know, whether it's, as you say, Tony, whether it's an under 14. And and funny enough, I'm just helping out with an under 14 girls team and an under 14 boys team in two different clubs at the moment. And even the difference, Keen, in dealing with, you know, the same age girls compared to same age boys is enormous. And in terms of what I have even learned in how you actually approach communication, things that you spoke about, you learn. So, I mean, I know sometimes... I, I envisage like some of these coaches who actually have this book and they're they're training tonight and they're kind of flicking the pages and no. they're kind of going, oh no, yeah, no, I like no, that no, and no, I like no, that. No. I'm not talking. Yeah.
3: yeah, I'm not talking about a, a manual. About step. An, are you talking about
4: more an academic read? Is no,
3: it? not necessarily an academic read. I mean, uh, there's like if you if you just like have a have a singular focus to look at, you know, where can I get a good drill? and I'm looking at books for that stuff. That's yeah, that's yeah, fine and that'll that'll it. serve. Well, I'm talking about. If you if you really want to you know develop your knowledge about coaching, you can you can read stuff that has nothing to do with coaching, mm-hmm. but but books that will give you a broad understanding of like coaching is about people, like the, coaching is about a social interaction between people, and how can like Tony you you spoke about getting your message across, like people have a great plan, but do they have an ability to actually translate that and transfer that onto people so that they understand what it is, and can we all get into one page, so like. See, see that's a very narrow kind of focus about coaching about worrying about drills and games like it's, it's a huge broad spectrum of stuff that you know you can read stuff that will give you a, a little edge in terms of how to deal with a situation and and I think the more coaches read the better the better coaches it's going to make you and, and not necessarily just something that's you know about coaching about, about whether it's teamwork or leadership or, or, or developing a, a kind of a culture within a group there's loads of books in business and everywhere that'll, that'll give you a steer and those things and I, I just don 't think we should be so narrow that we have to focus on just g a coaching we, we you know there's a lot of stuff out there and and the more you read, the better a coach it can it can make you
5: yeah and i I love that point about not having a specific focus on coaching or even the GA. I mean, if anyone took time to read, read about Tom Crean, you know, Shackleton, yeah. uh, Phil Knight's book, you know, and, yeah. and the foundations and Nike. Uh, I mean, I probably get more out of those because they're all lateral thinkers in many way. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to be a lateral thinker to be a great coach rather than learning how this coach did his job with his players in that year against that opposition, um, you know, I, I prefer to extend it out even outside of sport in many ways. And yeah. I don't get time to read it. It's an awful thing to say. I don't really get time to read except on holidays. And I haven't had one of them in a while. So, um, so no, I would love to read more. But they're, they're the books that really stand out in my mind. I mean, I, I could read Shoe Dog tomorrow again for the third time. I was fascinated by the journey, the challenges, the resilience and, and, and where he ended up. And I related a lot of the back to aspects of coaching, not necessarily on the pitch, but off the pitch and yes. how you deal with many of the challenges that you that we've, we've all met, you know, as, as coaches or managers, you know. And I suppose I know we're wrapping up just to say, I think listening to a conversation like this, I mean, I've learned so much already this morning just from listening, to, you know, to E-Men, because we're all coaches and we've all coached what probably frustrates me more you ask, what frustrates me working with teams is, is hearing people who have a podium or who are on a pedestal who've never stood on a sideline in their life they've never coached a day in their life pontificating about how things should be done or what tactical ploys, you know, should have been used in a given game. When they've never walked in those shoes, that's what really kills me. So to listen, you know, you know, to Tony Lean, and I remember your time with Douglas a few years ago, you know, to Tony McIntyre to me, Hall Quirk, every one of us have been in the trenches. They're the conversations I want to listen to.
3: It's good. We're... we're um I was gonna say preach there, I like that. That was that was good. Shots fired again. We got a lot of bullet holes in the in the door. No names mentioned, but shots fired.
4: In this segment, Mike Quirk chatted with two intercounty managers, Ronan McCarthy and Damon Fitzmaurice, on everything from the demands of inter-county management to the basic differences between coaching and managing to delivering bad news to players in a respectful way. The whole area of GPS, physical work, how much of it is done on and off the ball. Four-level kick-out strategies and scenarios in training, coming up with things, different ideas to challenge the players in their improvement.
3: Okay, folks, so we're here with Eamon and, and Rowan again. And just following on from, from our chat with Keen uh, and Tony McEntee, uh, we just wanted to have a little run through a bit of a, a bit of coaching and, and management talk while while we've got so so many esteemed guests in the room. And what's uh, <laughs> so funny about that, that? Fitzy starts laughing as I say esteemed guests. Um, I, I asked Keen O'Neill the last day just a, in terms of uh, the most demanding aspect now of the beast that that senior intercounty management you know had become, and, and he made the point that it was just the investment of of so much of your life in terms of the time commitment that's involved, and um, you know he made a great case for nobody ever wanting to do senior intercounty <laughs> management. To be fair, um, but in, in terms of that, Ronan, like same same kind of a question, you know. What is it that you find right now as you're stuck in the mix that is, is you know, the big, big challenge?
6: Having to go to work and, and you know, it, it's a juggernaut. Like, the whole thing is from, from start to finish and I'm sitting next to man. I have two years done in Eamon, did, did six. Um, and... Look, I, I'm a principal of a of a school, um. You know, I have, you know, I've I've five kids. My wife works, um. You know, full time, and, um. I I think the key thing about it, look, it's the time. You see, it's very enjoyable. It's a it's an absolute privilege and an honour, mm-hmm. um. You know, to to be involved in games against Dublin and Toronto and all that. You know, they're they're fantastic finals against Kerry. It's a privilege, but. There's a you know there's a huge demand on on families, um, on partners, this is players and management, mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I think the day of you know I think even stint there is is a fairly long stint and you know there'll be as long as I think as as we go forward now, you know the day of of guys doing six to to ten years will be will be fewer and fewer you know, uh, it's just you it it's it's never ending and and I've actually been as busy in the last week since Ross Common. You know, getting ready for, you know, you have to do reviews, you have yeah. to meet players, you have to meet panels, you have to meet your backroom team, you have to meet the board. You have to get your facilities and, organize. you know, your planning is starting already. So people kind of have an impression that, you know, you you finish the Common game and we'll see you next January, you Go know. Points, <laughs> where, so it, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. where whereas, you know, actually it's all kicking off already. So it, it's literally full time. All the time, on top of you know, obviously, you know, and obviously, I'm the school principal as well. Um, you know, and and school that's the geek
3: to be, and obviously, the principal stuff, no, you've time, you've plenty of time there. So,
6: um, and you know, and look, it's not just for school principals, you know, even you know, the people in the backroom team, you know, very you know, um, Sean Hayes, one of our sector, you know, is running a huge branch of TSB here in Cork and Patrick Street, um, you know people, it's a huge, huge ask, um, you know, and something that's done on a voluntary basis, but I don't think there's actually any way around it, you know, there's no solution to it really, mm-hmm. um, it just is what it is, but it's a, it's a massive demand,
3: yeah. And what do
7: you think, 50, Like, No, I, I, I was smiling to myself there <clears throat> when Ronan was making the point, because I think that's a brilliant point, and it's a thing that people actually totally don't get. Actually, one of the busiest periods for an inter-county manager is the end of the season, when you're finished and you're getting ready for next season, you actually get to a point in November uh, where you can't wait for the season to start and get into the routine of training. And it's it's kind of, there's a routine there and it's more manageable, but all of the meetings that goes on at this time of the year, one-on-one with players, with the management and everything else, it takes an absolutely huge amount of time and a huge amount of energy. You're going to county championship games, you're going to club games, your family, your work, everything else. So it is, it's 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 Ronan with five kids. I don't know Jesus, how you, yeah. you mustn't sleep too much, Ronan. You must be one of these fellas four hours, four or five hours a night does. But um, when I started out, uh, myself and Tina, we had no kids. By the time I finished, we had two. Um, I, I got promoted at work. I, I would find it very hard uh, to do the job the way I did the job um, as a school principal, I'm le- I'm learning. I suppose to be fair to Ronan and he he maybe had his the principal side of things down mm. when he got involved with Cork. But for me, I'm I'm I've still learning and have a lot to learn in the principal side of things and trying to juggle that with Kerry would would have been impossible. The way it happened, it would have actually been impossible. I didn't realise that at the time, but um, it's time, yeah. But I think it is the important thing to say is that it is an incredibly fulfilling role as well. It's a fantastic um, place to be, to be in an, an environment like that where everyone wants the same thing. Everyone is giving of themselves to achieve the same thing. When you achieve it, it's it's, it's indescribable really. But the flip side of that then is that, you know, what the point Cian was making when... You have a group putting so much into something, and when you come up short, and if you're just short, it is uh, seriously disappointing, then there's no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, and we, we were speaking the last day as well with the lads about, about the, the difference between coaching and, and managing, you know, and, and again, Keen made a really good point, like about the most uncomfortable aspect of being the manager Um and, and maybe you, you might not want to answer this one, it seems you're still alive in it, uh, Ronan, but it was, it was just about, it was about speaking to players about dis- you know, about disappointing aspects of it. So maybe this person didn't make a 26, maybe they didn't make a panel, maybe they didn't make the starting 15 and just how uncomfortable uh, and how, how he had to learn that kind of behavior to be able to, you know, deliver that news in a, in a kind of, a, you know, a respectful way, I suppose, but still making sure to try and keep that person engaged in the whole thing. And, and as something he wasn't used to. From a coaching point of view, to move into a management, that's a that's a big shift to be able to, have, to develop that skill, I suppose. It is, yeah, absolutely. And I, I wrote a column at the start of the Championship this year
7: and about things that I would miss and things that I wouldn't miss. And I would say that's number one, the things I wouldn't miss. Because you develop a relationship with players as the manager, or once you're in the management side of things at all, There are, there's the distance and there has to be the overview and the calculation with regard to what is best for Kerry. And that has to be the basis of everything, but you develop relationships with players, and they give so much to you, and they put so much into it, that it's very hard to give them that is bad news. And some of the other managers, maybe they're tougher, or they're more ruthless, or whatever the terms is. My method always was to be very honest, and sometimes, I suppose, painfully honest. But I think players respect mm-hmm. that then, and. Always oh, to give them something that they can build on once you get through the game next week. Look, you need to work on A, B and C. If you do that, you're definitely going to put yourself back in the picture. And I think once you give fetters, um something to, to strive towards, it helps them. But it does, that does get old. Giving Fedas bad news and you're doing it every couple of weeks. Fedas being dropped off the team, those, um, you know, being dropped off squads in particular. Not making the 26 is a huge blow to a player uh, that has put so much into it. there. You know, there is a question: Why am I doing this if I'm not even making a squad? And you're trying to reassure them that they are so important and they are bringing so much. But again, a player gets sick of hearing that as well. And I came from a position myself as a player that I was a sub in 2006. I didn't enjoy it as much as I when I was playing. I said I'm going to give it a lash in 2007 in the league. If I'm not in the picture, that's me out the gap. And I know the carrier probably going to win the All Ireland this year, but I'm not going to enjoy it. So yeah. I I totally uh, could empathise with where the player was coming from. But it still still doesn't make it any easier and as I said, top of the list of the things I, I don't miss anyway, for sure. Yeah,
6: yeah I, I think that, um, look, that is the most difficult part of the job. But, again, I, mean, I, said it, look, I think there's this kind of idea out there that there's some nice way of doing it and, you know, that you can word it in such a way. There isn't really. You would just have to be honest with the player. And I, I think generally players appreciate it. I think the the key thing is that, you know, players and maybe people outside, there's such fine lines between being in a 26 and not being in a 26, you know, making the 15, not making the 15. Um, you know, they're very marginal calls. They're judgments that, that you make. Uh, you do it with, you obviously, you know, the best intention in the world, and you don't always get them right, um, you know, and, and and that's part of it. But, um, you, you know, I I would say the, the group we have, you know, with Cork, they're an outstanding group and... Obviously, look. They, you know, they, they, they get this disappointing news, but they accept it, and they look at the. I suppose the group, and 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 the focus is on the group always, and um, and to a man, really. You know, they've always behaved in 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 the right way. You mm. know, when they've got disappointing news,
3: and I think that you both made the point there about a bit of honesty. Like, I think I think players players don't want to hear. You know, you're flying. Jesus, you're flying. <laughs> If if geez, I haven't made a twenty six for four weeks, how, how am I flying? You know, so I, I think that idea of being honest and giving fellas listen, this, this is what you need to do to get to this point. And if you do those then then it's a it's a it's a different conversation, obviously. It just before we before we wrap this up, lads, in terms of, of coaching stuff, because a lot of people that'll be listening, to this will be people that are involved with their own clubs at senior level or, or underage stuff. In terms of coaching run, and like what what are just some of the key things that you know if you're if you're talking about delivering a coaching session or, or planning a couple of sessions what what are the key things that you look at, kind of from a coaching point of view, that you like to that you like to try and emphasise with a with with a team, whatever team that might be, whether it's an under sixteen team or a or a, or a senior team. What are the what are the key kind of things that you look for in teams?
6: Look, so I, I suppose the first thing is that you want guys enjoying the sessions that they're coming to do. Okay, and that's not to say that you know hard work has to be part of it, and 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 the, you know, the grind they have to go through all that. But in general, you know that. That they like coming in and they're positive coming in, um, and I suppose the variety is part of that. It's not variety for the sake of it; you know, it's not entertainment yeah. either. But there's a variety, um, and I suppose look, the key thing is that you know what that I liked. Look, and obviously I'm saying I'm not doing as much coaching now, but uh, at the moment, but uh, what I would have liked coaching is that the exercises that they were doing challenged them all the time. You know that they, you know, it's not sending at a cone, kicking a ball to a guy. You have to think your way through. You know, I suppose well, what you're trying to replicate is that they're thinking their way through the exercise they are doing or drills, whatever word you want to put in them, right? And um, they're thinking their way through them, to, you know, and then that that helps them in matches mm-hmm. because actually, look, at the end of the day, it all comes down to decision making, mm-hmm. and and I suppose you know Dublin at the moment um, have proven themselves to be the best at that. Their players make very good decisions mm-hmm. in high pressure, at high stakes, at high pressure situations. They make good decisions, and and that's the key thing.
7: Um, I did two things. I'd say, and let me all is uh, exactly you can almost press repeat. on what Ronan has said there, I would agree with everything he said. Um, uh, the first thing would be just to show maybe the level it's at at county level, and I think that this is a great use of the technology in terms of the GPS and. You know, yeah. I know you get plenty of people scoffing at what, what, what is it all about and whatever. Last year, in approach, we had Joe O'Connor was involved with us uh, from the s S&C Sports Science point of view and he was absolutely brilliant. Similar model to the model he'd used with the Limerick hurlers, yeah. that all the lads are GPSed up. Before the session, we would agree, uh, myself and Padraig Cochrane, who was doing a lot of the football coaching, and Joe, what are our targets tonight in terms of high-speed distance and total distance, then we would do a warm-up, which would be, as Ronan said, with ball, you're challenging lads in terms of thinking. Then after that, you're into game-based situations and everything is clocked by the GPS. There's no such thing as having to run five, whatever, laps or you know, up, lengths up and down the field at certain pace. The, the thing is being clocked live by a GPS situation. So the players know, you know at the end of the session, you're working on football situations in intense, uh, it's being measured It's not just the coach's eye. And then at the end of the session, the sports science gang are happy because they've hit their targets. You're happy because your football is at an intense level and you've done your thing. If if a player, let's say, in the full back line or full forward line hadn't covered their requisite distance more so than the high speed, they might get an extra couple of runs just to bring them up. Mm -hmm. And that's it done then. That's not practical at the club level, but it's just to show... Mm -hmm the level that it's done to now. And uh, I personally enjoy that very much because there was no such thing as having to give over 20 minutes of your session to physical yes. work as such. The physical work was being done as part of games and the ball, so on and so forth, and it was very good. From a practical point of view, I think at the club level, one of the things that I enjoyed most, and to tie in with what Ron was saying there in terms of decision making, is scenarios in in training that you're coming up with things, challenging the players the whole time, rather than just playing your fifteen v fifteen. Pull in the two teams, okay, lads. You're five pints up. There's ten minutes to go. Go away and decide what you're doing. This gang are five pints down. Ye go in and tell me what ye go away and decide what you're going to do. How are you going to deal with that situation? Okay, now lads, let's flip the roles. How are you going to deal with it there? Okay, you've you're down a man. You've only fourteen, ye you fifteen. You're but ye you are five points down. How are you what are you doing with that extra man? And put it on to the players and see how it goes. And what what I always found with those scenario based things, it brought an intensity to the football that was off the charts. For ten minutes, off the absolute charts, and they come in. And you say, okay, lads, go into your teams. What worked? What didn't work? I'll talk to you in a minute. I'll talk to this gang first. And what you're doing then is you're just empowering the players to make decisions. And they're in a situation then that when it comes down to in a game, they've been through it. And it helps with that decision-making process. And I think regardless of what level you're coaching at, schools, club, inter-county, Putting players into those scenario-based situations is is uh, is the way to go. It's it's very good. There's great
3: learning in it, and we spoke about that uh, last last time with the, with the lads. In terms of empowering the players and stuff, and, and, and the, the motivational kind of benefits that come out of that. And it's interesting you say that the football was kind of off the charts or the intensity in the football. And like, were you, were you when you were putting guys in the groups there, like your backs, your forwards, or whatever, you were allowing them to talk within themselves? Like, they were the ones that were trying to sort out those kind of issues or whatever that, that you had just seen in the ball. They're, they're the player, they're
7: the people that were trying to sort it out. But then the coaches or the management team would help them then. They would help them and guide them. But the more that the players can come with the answers, the more powerful it is. And what I always found with the players, we used to do player-led video analysis. They'd blow you out of the water with their knowledge. They would absolutely... Because for a lot of them, it was Mm position-specific. And while you might, as a coach or a manager, you might have a great overview and a good knowledge in terms of what you want from the team in the game plan, in terms of player-specific stuff and position-specific they blow you out of the water with their knowledge and, uh, and good, I, I always yeah. found
6: that very yeah. empowering for them as actually, well the, like, the, the incredible actually the knowledge that they have and um, I, I think Donald Grady made the point actually recently last couple of weeks about you know that the modern player now they're used to self-evaluation looking at their own performance and, and he was making the point you know that managers must actually tap into that um, you know so you hear a lot of you know Jim Gammon spoke over the weekend that it's, you know it's player led but it actually has to be and, and actually they have like they have incredible knowledge you know even about kick out strategies and and all that and you know you'd be silly not to tap into it Can I just ask one, on kick out strategies is it?
0: Is it how hard is it to actually practice those when all the players know what you actually want to do so uh, how do you hide it from the other half of the? <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah well if you're springing something new if you're trying something new you absolutely take one team into one room and you say, alright lads, we're trying this this evening, the boys are inside next door, they know we're trying something, let's see how we fare out. But I always felt that when everyone knew what was going on, and if you could still get your kickouts away as a goalkeeper, well, you 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 were in a good situation then. You had to try and have, what we tried to develop last year was that it was a kickout that there was four different levels to, that one led to two, led to three, led to four. And then if four didn't open up, well, it was out to the out to the big man then and try and win the breaks. But that you were going through, to keep it as straightforward as you could, you were going through certain movements on one, on one kick-out. But like I said, the, after a while, the lads, the opposition know in an AVB game, they know what you're trying to do. But if you, if you can get around that, then you should be in good situation. You should be in good situation for the following weekend. <laughs>
6: Yeah, look similar to what Eamon's saying there. You 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 try and create the scenario so that when the players meet it in a game, it's not the first time they've come across it. Um, I suppose the key thing then is, do they have? And again, this comes with big game experience and and you know and leadership and all those things mentioned earlier. That you know when they actually find themselves then in that scenario. So, for example, you know Kerry are going to find themselves in the All Ireland final. Where Dublin not push up, you know, and they're they're probably the best at it, you know, they go the full zone and press on the under their kick out. And, you know, that will have been practiced, that scenario will have been practiced, and now can you execute it now in the you know in high stakes, high pressure um situation, can you do it? And that's something look that you you know you build over time. Um and it's something looked that, you know, I'm learning about as I go along, you know, and I I've two years done, you know, done now. Um it's something you keep developing, keep practicing. Uh, keep working on and you know i think look we've you know we we've made improvements this year you know i think they're they're obvious for for everyone to see um you know but we've still long road to go yet you know
3: but that's the that's the stuff that the players really enjoy like that those kind of things when you're thrown in there at the deep end and said figure this out now lads you're you're two men down you're 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 three points up and there's five minutes to go come up with something there and and, and leave them at it but it 's interesting to to take that just down to club level and we we'll, we 'll we'll finish with this you, you get some stuff from coaches saying if i 'm asking if i 'm asking the players to come up with stuff should jesus i'm i 'm to give them a rod to beat me and and player power and like this is kind of you know that they're that they 're afraid to actually put a little bit of responsibility on the players for fear that it'll diminish their own kind of response now i 'm talking about Club stuff. No, I'm not talking about the top end of the tree, where where people maybe have a little bit more knowledge and know that that stuff is really key and powerful to to engaging players. But at club level, you still get that resistance to actually put it out there to guys.
6: But see, I think the mistake you probably make there is, you know, there are so many facets now to management of, of of a team at intercounty level. To think that you would have all the knowledge yourself, you're on a loser there, mm-hmm. kind of straight away, you know. And like what what fascinates me watching the players, you know, you know, presenting it like the detail, the, like they're down to the absolute minute detail. For example, on on kickouts, it's extraordinary, you know, mm. um, you know, and you you must like you mu- it's a resource that you must tap into. And and actually, to be fair to to Connor I was only there with Connor for one year as as a selector. But he was really, really outstanding at that, you know, that he would, you know, he'd pull the players together and he'd tap into their knowledge, their resources. He'd let them organise things, sort things out for themselves, you know. Because, look, ultimately, there's no point in, in a big match going over to Damon on the line, you know, you have to make decisions and sort things mm-hmm. for yourself in, in real time, you know. Um, and you, the only way they can do that is if they're used to doing it all the time.
7: Yeah. Same as that, same as that, Micheal. Look, the, I think you've come up with a solution there to the time problem. Give it all over to the players and just stand back and watch it. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, sounds good. And finally, in segment three, we had Ray Cosgrove from Dublin and he's done a whole lot of work with the Dublin development squads. And we had the legendary All-Ireland winners, Declan O'Sullivan from Kerry and Osheen McConville. Oisín's gone back into management in 2020 with Iniskeen in Monaghan. Declan O'Sullivan, keep an eye on Declan for the future. He is going to be a Kerry manager, in my view, at some stage. We spoke to that group, Mike spoke to that group, about in terms of the development of kids, you know, their ages. I mean, our coaches disagreed. Is it too late to improve the skills of a senior player when he has got to that level? We looked at the whole area of movement and fitness, dynamic skills, things that they didn't do when they were kids. In terms of players who keep making the same mistakes, how do you deal with that, and how big of a problem does that become? And the holistic approach, developing the player, developing the guy in the club who may not be your centre forward on a county championship-winning team, but he could be the next club secretary.
3: Ray, maybe we'll we'll start with you. You're, you're involved. You were previously involved with with the Wicklow uh, under under John, Johnny McEntee and. Um or Johnny Mac- McGee, excuse me, uh, Johnny McIntyre, Johnny McGee, uh, and and obviously you're you're stuck with the development squads in Dublin under 16s, and uh, and maybe you might just talk for a minute or two just on 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 what particularly you're kind of doing with those guys to, you know, I suppose produce some of the footballers that you're producing.
0: Yeah, I suppose a major component of of what we do with the with the development squads is. Improve their skill set. You know, we'd start. You know, every session to be twenty minutes uh, worked on, on on just the basics of the game: hand passing, kicking, left left foot, right foot, right hand, left hand. And I suppose there's something as a kid when I was growing up, it wasn't something that we were really focused on. Um, but if you look at the Dublin senior football team at the moment, they're so competent off both both hands that is that's a major uh, focus area that we put into every single session Um, and I think if we're to bring if we're to nurture a couple of young guys from the 16s into minors next year and get them through to to senior level the one thing that I you know I'd like to put myself put put myself forward we've developed their skill set where they're competent enough to jump into a senior setup and not feel out of their depth and I think by doing that you know, we're giving the the kids every chance to cut the mustard at senior level, and I think even at club level, you know, I'm sitting with the two boys here that, that have you know have had massive uh, success with the club. Even with Kilmacode, we we won a couple of all irons, but you know, we never honed in on the basic soft skills of the game. And I think, you know, we developed a lot of athletes over the years that you know dogged it out and could kick a few scores later on, but the basics of the game, that is, I suppose, the, the major component that we hone in on every single session uh, to get the guys, you know, comfortable kicking off left and right, toe tapping off left and right and also being able to, to hand pass with, with, with their less dominant hand. I suppose that's the one thing that I've learned with the development squad is that we still have them at, a, at an age that we can nurture them. Mm. You know, when you get guys at, at, at inter-county level, you know, when I was down at Wicklow with Johnny, you know, it was too late at that stage, You know, you know, trying to, Coach a guy to use his left foot. It's too late at that yeah. stage, Mike. So I think that's the, the 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 main thing. And even you know, I do a bit of you know, oceans of with, with with the cross uh, academy. I'm involved with my kids' uh, squads in in and that's you know we, we you know whenever whatever night I'm, I'm up there, we certainly try and work on the skills of the game. And if and they haven't got the basics, you know, you, you can't really build anything from there. That's the foundation that 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 that, that everything I think has to be built on
3: and and deck like you're you're stuck you're still you were with obviously jack and the under 21s at different stages and now you're you're still with your own your own group like that's obviously senior club stuff then i mean and you're hoping like races that the skills which aren't always the case obviously that people can perform both sides you know hand passing kick passing but like what's the stuff you know that you kind of move that on to with 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 the idea that hopefully those skills are in place what are you working on we'll say with your group well, I mean,
8: taking on what Ray said, I actually think it's not too late at senior level. I mean, um, the game has got so, you know, fellas are so fit now, so physical, everybody's in the gym, that um, and the whole game is almost built around turnovers and physical contact that, you know, at senior level, it's about doing the basics, but doing them much quicker and much sharper and then, you know, having the confidence and and the, and, and, you know, with the ball. So... From from my side, even when I started with the club, I'd have put a big emphasis on that. And then the danger is that you kinda of go away from when you try build on top of that and top mm-hmm. of that. But I'm finding going back again to the to, to the basics again and it's something that I, I definitely overlooked for for a while. And and if you can't hold on to the ball and if you can't, you know, execute, you know, four or five yard hand passes and you turn the ball over, it's in the back of the net. And you're and everybody's looking around saying you've this complicated uh, kick out routine or you might have this press or you might have all these forwards moving in certain yeah. directions yet you can't, you can't hold on to the ball yeah. so I mean for me at the mo- at, currently at the moment it's all about ball skills again and, and the ta- and technique and, and, and footwork getting getting your, your body in the correct position to actually go tackle because as I say every game now is about physical contact and, and in t- the intensity of the game as well so that's kind of what really working at the moment
2: skills are shame. yeah know a st- couple of different aspects I suppose when you go down to like I'd be involved with under 6s, 8s, 10s that sort of thing and uh, just basic skills and then seeing how we produce those in games and then say in a blitz scenario how those skills let people down, and you just you go back and you walk on the things that you feel have let you down. Uh, I think a big emphasis, you know, in our club from say twelve to eighteen is a lot of it is just get movement. You know, a lot of it is fitness. A lot of it is um, stuff that you would we probably took for granted years ago is that the movements and uh, uh, dynamic skills are probably not what they probably once were. At senior level, I don't do a training session unless there's some sort of decision making in it. Uh, I like uh, decision making and decision making under pressure, um, and just try and go back to one of the simple things that that I would do a lot of is um, kicking technique and kicking for scores and the difference between kicking for scores and kick and kick passing and it's amazing. I sometimes I wonder how somebody has got to 25 and still kicks the way they kick, you know, and I suppose it's trying to change that, and like, I agree with both of the boys, actually, because it's something we walk on, but it is something that's really difficult to change at that stage, you know, Um, because, you know, you say to somebody, you know, let's keep this technique up for the next, and first sign of panic, they'll revert back to, you know, exactly what they're doing, and that's why decision-making uh, in a training session and then try and transfer to say a challenge match to a league match to the intensity ramps up to championship matches and see how somebody is going to react in that situation so a lot of it is built around decision making but I I, re- I have to say I really enjoy the underage stuff the really young stuff because just the improvement from from the start of the year just to the end of the year we, we played blitz again at the, we had a blitz again at the weekend they played we had two two groups one group played 90 minutes and the other group played 80 minutes that was eight games of 10 minutes and nine games of 10 minutes which is a lot and like i have to say the skills st- stood up really well if you had to ask these guys to do that i think four or five months ago they'd be in pieces you know and and the skills would go to part so i just like i just like to see that i loved that improvement at 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 that young young age like
3: they went home and slept for about two days after oh, that too. Yeah. But the the decision making one is a is an interesting one. Like like everything now is 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 you know the whole game is based coaching is the is the overarching theory around every kind of you know thing everything you hear about coaching. And like the skills are, are great and we work on we have to work on the skills. But where are you in terms of working on those skills within within the context of the game?
0: Yeah, I suppose it's looking at it from from an offensive perspective you know when, when we're dealing with kids in development squads you know they're they're coming from their clubs you know they're there's a, I suppose a little bit of pressure coming with them you know to to maintain you know high standards when they come into the setup but like we we had a game at the weekend and we firmly believe that you know it's all about making the right decision for the team and not the individual like we wouldn't there's no kid that that's told to go out and shoot the lights out you know, it's all about giving the ball to the kid in the best position and it's the betterment of the team. We don't, we, in Dublin, with the Development Squad, we're, we're not worried about great players. We want players that make great teams. And I think kids that make good decisions nine times out of ten, they're the guys that, that step up at, at inter-county level, you know. At club level, you know, you can make near 60%, 70% decisions can be right. I can get away with it. The guys... The elite guys make the right decisions all the time. And that's when you put them into pressurized situations, like the lad said there, that's what's going to differentiate a good footballer from an extremely good footballer. And you know, by the small side of games, by putting guys, you know, into those kind of scenarios, you'd like to think that nine times out of ten they will make that right decision. Fellas that keep making mistakes and don't learn from them, that's where you've got a problem, Mike. And I and I think as long as you're correcting that and fellas are being shown and coached what to do the next time and not make that wrong decision. Well, then you know you you have a good starting point from there.
8: And you're trying to create the environment as well. Really, you know, you're trying to get people comfortable enough that they they're they're comfortable enough to, to make a decision and and, and go out in a limb almost, and they're not going to get you know their head chewed off. And and it's 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 a positive learning experience. But then I also look at you know. These development squads, and obviously they're they're fantastic, and they've been proven to be very successful in a lot of counties. But we have to be careful as well as the GA that there's a social side to to what to what we're doing in coaching as well. And I notice from from a small rural club, her numbers are incredibly scarce. We have to try maximise every guy, and we feel it's travelling down from Dublin and from Limerick and Cork, and it's a huge effort to get there. So you need to make sure it's enjoyable. You need to make sure it's a positive experience for fellas, and 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 if it means guys are developing it. From 25 to 30 or 35, we we have a 42 year old playing in, in, in our in, in our team. So sometimes the GA there's a tendency now to say, "Oh, it's all about the elite. It's about you know that three or four percent, the, the cream of the of the crap." But I think the real enjoyment is the, kind of the spirit, the club, the the environment that you're creating, and then you're developing not only a player but you're developing a guy who will become a secretary or he will be you know i think you know joe bolly had a saying before and we wouldn't agree with a lot of things he says but he he mentioned about being a shared journey and, and that's a really important thing it should be for everybody that plays whether it's a boy or a girl whether it's a real talented player or not that as a coach you should be trying to get the best and, and develop that whole person as, as such. so that's I, that's the one kind of gripe i'd have at the moment that a lot of it is focused on, on the elite at the moment and we need to bring we need to try to bring everybody with us you know
3: and, and before I but you there you shame, but uh, just to, to start to that deck there you mentioned about like making it enjoyable and, and you know like how how just to get into the nuts and bolts of that a little bit because I know I know like people listening to this are going to be club coaches or, or people involved with juvenile teams or club teams or whatever it is or development squads whatever whatever it is but like when oh. when you're talking about making it enjoyable, how how do you set out to make your session enjoyable for like how many bodies would you have on an a average night deck? Maybe
8: oh, I could have twelve. I could have some evenings I've eight more on the weekends. I could have twenty, twenty five. But yeah. I think the most important thing you have to try to do as a coach is try explain what you're doing, try get your message across so that, and that's where the enjoyment comes in. A guy knows what he's supposed to be doing he tries to do it his best of his ability and after a couple of goals he can see himself there's a bit of improvement and that's the enjoyment isn't L- laughing and joking talking about the weekend that's coming up or whatever it's, it's trying to explain what you want to done and then get your message across and then maybe open it up to the guys that they feel they have a bit of an input and when you're really flying is when they're coming to you and saying you know what I've done this before somewhere else, or you know, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe we should try this, and and it's almost their ideas that you yeah. were, you're implementing. That's when it becomes really enjoyable for everybody.
2: Yeah, and th- I like what Declan said, and because I, I was afraid to say it myself, but it sounds a bit airy fairy. But just that whole ho- the holistic thing, you know, I take football at college level as well, and anybody who has the misfortune of taking a college team will realize that. You know, you get gays walking into the room someday and, and you know that they're dead behind the eyes. You know, they've done they have done their eight training sessions, they've 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 done their S and C they've done everything that they're eating right, everything but they're just like they come in and they're just not just not worth anything. Uh, on numerous occasions I just say, No lads are not training, we go for something to eat or we we order something in or we we play a game of five or eight or we do whatever 'cause I'm not going to get anything, there's nothing more in them lads, I'm not going to get anything, anything else out of them, and yet, what I find is, because of the fact of the way, like, we went a stage where we we might not train for three weeks before a game, and we got to a stage where I found that when they got onto the pitch, they were giving you absolutely everything, because there, there was a feeling that this guy's not just here to grind us into the ground, and you'll find that, I, you'll find that in clubs, like, not so much with under-ages. keep grinding them into the ground. But, uh, <laughs> but, the, the, but the older ones, like if anybody who's involved with a senior team, it, it can turn into a bit of a grain. And when, when, the, when the county season's alive and wild and, you know, you're going and you're going and you're going, you've got to break it up. You know, you've got you to say to yourself some night, you know, we're going to turn up a turn, we're going to... What are these boys expecting tonight? Well, whatever they're expecting, I'm going to give them the complete opposite of what they're expecting. And and because of that, I, I definitely think you get a reaction down the lane, or they'll give you something maybe a little bit more down the lane. But uh, this thing of just, you know, of players who who just who don't have that much more to give on that particular week or that month or whatever, just to mix it up and, and you know, do something different. Yeah, maybe still train, but train in a different way or... You know, just do a night's coaching, just simple coaching, just coach just coach technique. There's nothing wrong with coaching senior players' technique for a night. You know, get a, get somebody in or get somebody who's an expert in, in kicking and, you know, get them in and, and, and get them there for just for a night. And just do 45 minutes and go in and have a sandwich and get the boys together and go home. How many players do you know who walk into the change room now who are already changed and leave it, you know, and going home and have a shower at home? Where's the interaction with the whole thing? It's it it turns into a grain for those guys, and like I remember, we funny we had no lights at at home for for a year, and uh, we no (laughs) no electricity in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we had no lights for our training pitch, and we were training actually uh, locally. But we they had no um, well we 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 weren't using their facilities, so people were coming to train and togged out and going home. I knew, we knew, you know, when the first round of the championship game, you just know, because boys haven't been spending that time together, there's no banter in the change room, there's no bit of slagging, and and you wonder, at that stage, you wonder why you're doing it, whereas, turn that on its head, and, you know, do something, just do something that little bit different, be aware of what's going on with your players, that's what I'm trying to say, and that's why Declan talking about the holistic thing, because when people hear that, they think, fuck, airy-fairy. Yeah, but what do you
3: it's, mean? It's it's not though. I mean, and and that point you make, and I, I I wrote a thing about it last year. I'd say, like dressing rooms now are just an area to drop your keys, like and and go in at, at a club session. And like we, you know, we did a thing last year and the year before where, like, we just giving fellas a, a bit of pasta, like you know, after after training. But like we've a we've a nice clubhouse and they could go in and sit down with cutlery and all that and we were like, No, bring bring the pot of pasta outside and put it on top of the table in the dress room and we'll force fellas to go in, have a shower, get a bowl, have their pasta and they're all sitting around the place. And it was it was you know, it was just a bit of interaction with guys inside in the dress room that is kind of last now because it's your phone and your keys and they're gone out the door before you even get in after picking up the cones and it's to try and to try and create that environment I think that you're talking about as well, Dick, that that you foster that within the club so that fellas feel like it's more than just a training session, you know?
4: So there you have it. It's as much now about keeping the players engaged after training and making sure you have that, I suppose, that connection and that bond in the dressing room. Best of luck, by the way, to Mike Quirk, who was our host uh, for 2019 in his new gig as Leash Manager. Thanks indeed to all our guests over 29, all our GA guests from Dalo and Jar Cunningham who hosted the Hurling Podcast to the dozens of guests we had from current inter-county players to players who've been there, done that. Genuinely, it was a great thrill for us and it was really, really enjoyable. It wouldn't have been possible, of course, without Allianz who sponsored our league podcast and without Renault who sponsored our championship podcast. It's only four weeks, by the way, to 2020. We will be back um, probably around the middle to the end of January with a new season of GA Podcasts. We hope you join us then. Cheerio.